listening to the New Century Multiverse, The Princess Thieves. Chapter 11. Nevermore. All was uproar in Camelot. The moment the slinking thugs who had crept from the forest realized they had been detected, half a dozen of them charged in to grab at Gwendolyn. Merlene stepped forward and held out her staff, the end of which was now glowing with that familiar pale light. What can you do? Hopefully enough to deal with this lot. That same shimmering bubble formed around the pair of them and then burst, sending a shockwave through the stonework that flung several of the interlopers backwards. It was not a catastrophic fall for any of them, and they began to pick themselves up within moments. Several more of the knives took this cue to make a tactical detour and flank the pair, springing from the shadows to close in around them. Yeah, this is going to be tricky, and I haven't prepared or had a warm-up stretch, so, uh, run! The two turned tail and fled through the crumbling veins of the fortress, Merlane leading. What we really need... Is a bottleneck. Hold your ground. I can fight them. You may have to. But let me protect you until we have no other choice. As they ran and called out to one another in the dark, Oberyn, Viola, and Robin emerged from Merlin's hut and sprinted towards the sound of their voices. The scene was chaotic as the only lights came from Robin and Oberyn's torches, the wizard's staff, and the watchful moon. What? is going on? Some hooligans are trying to snatch me. Feel free to do your job now. Oh, spiffing. Absolutely spiffing. With me, Arka. Viola strode forward, flexing her fingers as energy began to crackle around them. Oberyn squinted back in the direction they had come from and caught sight of several running figures with red bandanas tied across the lower half of their faces. Shit, Robin, it's the knives. I'll take the princess somewhere safe. I'll go with you, ladies. Of course you will. Protecting our investment. You do the Arca thing. No, you're right, I got it. Go! Go, go, go! They left Viola and Oberon guarding the gate between the eastern and central courtyards, and Merlin took them through one of the inner halls and sidestepped through a window to emerge again into the night. Gwen glanced down at Robin, whom, it transpired, was barefoot and awkwardly hopping across the terrain. Excuse me, I thought I was being rather nimble. It wasn't nimble, it was lurching like a drunken monkey. Where are your boots? Back in the hut. We left in rather a hurry. Ow! Ow! Oh, that was sharp. Ow. Why are they back at the hut? I was sleeping. That's what people do at night. You were screaming. I came running. Excuse me, princess. Your feet are all wrong. You should have hooves. Even you wear shoes. Who are you talking to? The nag. He's narrating this bit. I know. I was just trying to be professional and stay in character. I just want a little generosity of description. I've been losing my impact as a hero in recent chapters. I was hoping to win a little bit back here. Actually, the shoeless thing is pretty noteworthy. It's only been done really effectively twice, Die Hard and Children of Men, if you don't count shoeless Joe Jackson, and nobody does. Plus, it shows your vulnerability. Being a hero isn't always about being super tough, you know. You do realize you're diminishing the threat level here, both of you? This isn't at all how we did things at Rada. Come on, throw me a bone, you petulant glue factory. Fine, Robin was jumping with unparalleled cat-like nimbleness across the terrain. Oh, we're back on. You want to go back and get your boots? No, too many of them back there. Meg, 
Can you please try to keep your light point at the floor ahead? I'll just have to dash between the smoother flagstones. Ow! Can you conjure up some boots for him, Merlane? Oh, she's Merlane now. I was wondering if you were going to... Do you have any idea how magic works, young lady? Well, how the hell should I know? You're hundreds of years old and privy to God knows what. The cards are pretty much off the table. Oh, crap! They had dawdled, bickering fruitlessly with their wise narrator, allowing some of their pursuers to close in. A man with a cruel-looking cudgel had lunged at Gwendolyn from an awning and was grabbing at her wrist with strong, cold fingers and pushing his weapon against her cheek. Gwen dragged him close and reflexively shoved him against the wall. His knee crashed into her ribs, more out of panic than judgment, and she was winded, but her response was to butt her forehead against his nose, which broke immediately, making him shriek with pain behind his bloodied bandana and crumple to the floor. Robin reached her a moment after this. I could absolutely have taken him out. She glared at him and tried to catch her breath. You know, I'm still very hurt from what you said earlier. I really am sorry about that. Your nurse was being atrocious, and that fired up a part of me I find hard to keep silent. But I let another part of me out too, and that was, and is, hurting, and wanted to hurt back. That explains my actions, but doesn't excuse them. You're not worthless at all, especially not your ass. You're semi-forgiven, but only because we're short on time. We have to move. Thank you. You want his boots? Uh, no. Those won't fit me. Most human shoes wouldn't. We have to move! We have very broad feet. Both of you young prats need to listen to me. They're closing in. I can hold this doorway for as long as possible. There aren't many other ways through to the East Wing. You're more secure over there. What about Viola and Oberon? They are doing their jobs. Oh, Viola. I wasn't thinking. Will she be all right? If she's cunning and lucky, yes. If not, no. You can't help her now. Go! Get to flying and being less foolish! Gwen and Robin nodded and continued on through the Black Labyrinth, as Merlene threw an iridescent gate across the archway she was standing in front of and masked knives began to emerge from the night. You know what I'm going to say, so let's just get to it! Back where they had come from, Oberon was roaring with ferocity as he clobbered the interlopers who came within grabbing distance, breaking their bones and flinging them aside. Viola hopped nimbly around him, carefully conserving her energy this time and relying mostly on low-level blindness spells which sent these men stumbling into uncertain footing. Yes! She was beginning to tire already, and Oberon was actively avoiding contact. Had she not been fighting for her life, she would have had time to judge and consider her behavior throughout their time together. But she was also proud and stubborn, so it seemed merely beneficial that this enormous creature was technically on the same side right now. A vicious cudgel blow slammed against Oberon's ribcage and he felt a crack, followed by several sharp cuts. He bellowed with frustration as he retreated, holding his side. The two knives, now closing in, hefted their clubs, and one muttered to the other. Knock his tusks out. Viola slid away from the man with a broken arm, who was still kicking at her, and aimed a powerful confused spell at the speaker, who immediately swung his arm out reflexively, connecting with the back of his companion's skull. As the struck fellow screamed in pain and surprise, Oberon leapt in to take advantage of their brief disarray. Unbeknownst to the hoods, Mortimer had encouraged the knives to go for the swarm approach to keep the princess's captors busy, anticipating that they would move their prisoner to more secure lodgings in their defense attempts. She had not expected so few of them, or for two powerful magic users, to be among their number. But she kept her high vantage point and circled the arena in the outer shadows, watching the chaos unfold. Now, with just Robin and Gwen together, she spied her moment to swoop in. 
All Robin saw was a purple blur, and then he felt a boot heel collide agonizingly with his exposed toes. The world went white and he doubled over with pain, only to be kicked in the face. Hello, princess. Gwen turned to see what had happened, but Robin was already over. A tall woman with black braided hair and a bowler hat had just grabbed her hand and attached the cuff of a pair of shackles. Gwen snarled with fury and pulled her wrist back. Mortimer was slightly unbalanced, but used the forward momentum to spring up and over Gwendolyn's body and yank that arm across to her opposite shoulder, pulling the cuffs. Ow! Jesus Christ! Frightfully sorry. Lot of fuss and bother in the dark, and I can't have you wandering off. Ow! Blast! Robin had picked himself up and, without checking his horribly bruised foot, had launched himself onto Mortimer's back. Mortimer was currently on Gwen's back, and so Gwen sank to the floor, groaning. Would you both get the hell off me? I can't breathe. You get off me, Dwart. I have a testicle removal gun with your name on it. Your testicle gun says Robin Hood on it. Well, if you went to the trouble of personalising it for me, I shall accept it. Hey! Okay, now I'm going to get that back. And use it twice. Seriously, too heavy. I will roll on the pair of you. That's a tempting offer. What do you say, Mortimer? Oh, you know me. You know me. I know how much I can get for you on top of her recovery, so I think... Oh, sod a dog. Did she just... Did she just handcuff you to me? It would appear so. Both of you, get off! But already Gwendolyn had shaken Mortimer free from her shoulders, and as she turned, she felt the weight of Robin swing out on the end of the chain. Gwen spun and felt the dwarf sailing through the air in a graceful arc, only to collide with the human, sending Mortimer crashing back against the wall. Oh, You are completely mad. Don't ever use me as a morning star again. Is she down? Yes, I think she's mostly unconscious. All right, then. Lockpick these cuffs. With the lockpicks that are in my boots? Oh, for f... Well, you'll have to search her for a key. Nui. Like I said, she's only mostly unconscious. If I search her now, she'll just wake up and steal my testicles. Can't have that. Yes, naturally. Someone might have need of them. Ow. I have an idea. Gwendolyn's hand felt like it was about to tear off, and she yelped in pain as she yanked Robin off his feet again and over her shoulder, taking off back through Camelot. So I just perch up here, then? Just hug the torch out and keep your head low. There are doorways to get through. Burn my hair and you lose that moustache. I... Ow. Yes. Whatever you want. Just go. Gwen turned, and piggybacking the injured dwarf, she barreled through the east wing, doubling back and retracing her steps several times, looking for a very specific chamber that she half-remembered the way to. No, it's the middle door. How do you know where I'm going? I've had the same idea, I think. Gwen ducked under the final archway and put Robin down onto unsteady legs. The moonlight shone through the windows and large gaps in the ceiling, and up above them, at the top of the stairs stood the sword. Together this time. That was my idea, too. The pair of them walked up, one foot after the other, through the moonbeams, their chained hands almost touching. Their steps were labored with exhaustion and pain, yet awkward, with a childlike tentativeness. They circled the stone and slowly reached out to grasp the hilt together. Their fingers tightened, and they felt the blade give ever so slightly. Both of them gasped a little, 
Gwendolyn gathered her strength, glancing down at Robin, and they breathed deeply and pulled with all of their combined might. Nothing happened. The sword stood fast. Oh. Oh. I thought that would work. It really did. It just made sense. Why isn't it working? Try again. Robin hopped up on the stone and planted his feet, gripping the crossguard and pulling up hard. Gwen leaned her full weight away, her fingers clinging to the hilt. Come on! Come on! Come on, you bastard! We need you! It's no good. No! It's not fair! I'm a princess! I want to be a hero and I need to protect you! I know! I was fine with sharing it. We've done everything right. Why won't it work? Gwendolyn and Robin slumped down and found themselves leaning back to back against one another. The swords stood above them, mocking their every intention. At the base of the steps, Mortimer stood, a tranquilizer dart gun in one hand and her electric prod in the other. Well, for my part, I'm glad it didn't work. It makes what I'm about to say a bit easier. You can knock us both out and then enjoy dragging us back to a cart while whoever survived your many friends out there comes straight for you. Or you can just accept that you aren't going to win this one. I think I might already have won, though. And allow me to explain at gunpoint, because I feel like you're both liable to do something stupid if I don't. Fine. Why have you won? Well, it all depends on whether I've read this situation correctly. As I am to understand it, Mr. Hood, you snatched this lady up late last night, and if logic follows action, you're looking to ransom her to her father. (sighs) Let's say yes for now. And how much were you going to ask for her? Yes, how much actually? I need 1,000 gold. A piffling thousand? That's all I'm worth to you? It's not a reflection of your actual worth, which is... It's just what I need for my purposes. Which are? Well, that's very complicated. You see, my friend owns this factory. I'm being paid 2,000 to bring the princess home. I don't need 2,000. We're trying not to be greedy here. If I split my take down the middle, we both walk away with a cool grand. You do what you want with your half. I'll spend mine on whatever naughty things I like. Excuse me? Yes, that does actually sound eminently sensible. And safe, since I'm not extorting anyone. What about the bounty on my head? And my companion? How come you aren't after that? Two reasons. Firstly, my army of lackeys appears to have been unable to defeat them, and clearly can't offer me the manpower required to catch and transport you hoods. Secondly, I've been offered a bonus if she's in good spirits on her return. Excuse me? I prefer finesse to blunt force, not to mention biting off more than I can chew. So if you're agreeable, princess, then the bonus should cover the heads of your new friends. Excuse me? I am not a bloody flag to be passed around to improve the standing of the bearer. I never thought of you that way. All right, then. You tell me what the thousand is for right now. Fine. It's to improve the standing of a business that gives child labourers a fair wage and reasonable working conditions. It's to prevent our competitors who are already exploiting those same children from running us out of the market. None of that gold goes into my pocket, if that's what you're thinking. I I didn't... 
I mean... Robin Hood, remember? How astonishingly noble. I think I'm going to be sick. It, it does sound like a good cause when you put it like that. <sighs> All right, purple pantaloons, what if we say no and clobber you together, which we might still be able to do? Well, for starters, I've already studied your weaknesses, which means you'll be dreadfully sorry you said no and attacked me. Secondly, good luck dealing with the Archduke. He's really very, very cross about all of this. I would wager my whole 2000 that you won't see gold piece number one from him. Most likely you would be found and clapped in irons, then executed on the morrow. All right. What? All right, your first plan makes the most sense, provided you're not trying to double-cross us. Which she almost certainly is. You're just going to have to trust me. I have one condition. What? Hmm, what? That we wait until Friday to bring me back. I should like to... see a bit of London first. We shall disguise ourselves once more and you will give me the holiday I desire. I don't think you really know what it is that you're asking. Yes, I do. If my return to... The life that has been laid out for me is going to be of benefit to the people I will most likely never meet. I would like to change that and meet them first. It's a huge risk. So much could go wrong. I'm fine with this. Just as long as you both understand, I'm sticking to you like glue. Please, Robin. I need to... I need to know the world properly, so that I can make good decisions when the crown upon my head hangs heavier. Robin looked into her wide blue eyes, and despite his throbbing feet, twisted wrist, pounding head, and semi-dislocated arm, he felt a new pain in his chest. <sighs> All right. But you stay close to me and accept that I know more about the city than you do, so my advice is pretty much gospel. I'll listen to you, but I'm going to make my own bloody decisions. Fine. Can you unlatch us, please, Mortimer? We need to go and help our friends immediately. While we've been bargaining, one or all of them could have been badly hurt or captured or killed. Right you are, Squire. The hands were freed and swiftly rubbed to alleviate the pain, as the uneasy trio left the sword behind to seek out the others. While neither Robin nor Gwendolyn was entirely happy with the new situation, both told themselves it was for the better. You have been listening to The Princess Thieves, written, edited, and produced by Alex Shaw, with a full cast. Old Meg, performed by Maureen Foley. Princess Gwendolyn, performed by Theo Lee. Robin and Brutal Knife, performed by Alex Shaw. The Nag, performed by Spencer Lieb. Mortimer, performed by Sharon Shaw. Viola, performed by Loretta Saylor. And Oberon, performed by Matt Wardle. Always remember to bring sensible footwear. The Princess Thieves theme was Arrival by I. Sazanoff of Shockwave Sound. Ancient Heroes was performed by Klynos. Rapture and Welcome to Chaos composed by the brilliant Ross Bugden, whose YouTube account you should check out. Volatile Reaction, Perspectives, Dance of Questionable Tuning, and Angevin, composed by musical powerhouse Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, whom I support on Patreon. 
many soundscapes provided by the truly amazing Tabletop Audio, whom I also support on Patreon. A massive thank you again to the person calling themselves Amazon Customer. It might be the same person, it might be someone completely different, but someone of that name again has given a review of Tiger's Eye, which lifted my spirits on a very rainy day. Thank you. Please contact me if this was you. And special thanks to Pam Getchell of Audio Entertainment News on Twitter, who's been tweeting and retweeting about the New Century Multiverse to her followers every week, getting the name out there. Likewise, Mark Lee of the Masquerade crew gave us a huge boost with his retweeting, which itself got retweeted dozens of times. Ultimately, if this gets us a few new listeners, that's wonderful, but being memorable to many people is a huge deal. It's ultimately brand recognition, and I've always been kind of rubbish at selling my work as a product. This is art, it's passion all over the page and running through your ears. My chief concern has always been making it as superb as I can, not with the business of selling it. So when it does get that boost, when it is given wings to fly to thousands of complete strangers who may simply ignore it this time round, but will remember the name later on maybe, that's what makes it stick. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon, and our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you to Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Datchler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Robbie Crow, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. And I wrote the last chapter of The Princess Thieves over the weekend. Those who have heard how Secret Rooms and Tiger's Eye and Arlington finish will be happy to know that this one ranks well alongside them. See, I love these characters and I can't believe I now have to leave them alone now for a few books. At least the ones that make it. I'm kidding. Or am I? I am. Or am I?